Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What if we are more powerful, more capable of creating miracles than we know? My guest today is Dr. Mark Mancola, and he believes miracles don't just randomly happen. We create them and that we can harness our innate power of healing to create lasting change. In his new book and film, he talks about how developing our superconscious mind and recognizing the consciousness that exists within each of us is what generates miracles. Are you ready to meet him? Mark Mancola, PhD, is a nutritional therapist and quantum energy healer who's transformed the lives of more than 60,000 patients over the last 35 years. He's integrated ancient Chinese energy healing techniques with cutting-edge nutritional science in what he calls electromagnetic muscle testing, a one-of-a-kind approach that zeroes in on each individual's unique nutritional needs. Dr. Minkola's offered, authored seven books to date, and his new film and book, The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Superconsciousness, is available now. You can find out more at thewayofmiracles.com. Mark, welcome to Out of the Fog. Ken, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back. What is a miracle? What do you mean when you say that? A miracle is, is the divine expression of change that manifests a radical turnaround from totally unexpected results. I think that in the film that you talked about, the Way of Miracles film, there's a number of different miracles that took place. There's one woman that we have in the film, you may remember, she had a tumor the size of a large golf ball in her frontal lobe. And she had surgery. They removed the, the tumor from her brain surgically. And two months later, it grew back. And she said, I can't go through that that." Procedure again. There's no way I can go through brain surgery again. Impossible. I just can't do it. I can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. So she looked for an alternative. So she she was sent to me by a friend, and we worked together very closely. And I did her energy assessments. I put on a program, dietary program, nutrition program, put on supplements, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And in five months, her brain tumor abated completely. Completely went away. Hmm. And she's been tumor free for nine years. That's a miracle. Wow. Again, not, not, not expected results, unexpected results from a divine perspective. So something other than the, the mundane nature of what we bring to the table makes miracles. So we, we, we're capable. I say there's four different components to human response to the prospect of miracles. Number one, reject. Reject the prospect of miracles. That's impossible. I, I don't believe in that. Number one, reject. Number two, accept we get past the rejection mode and we get into the, in the mode of, I suppose this can happen for other people, not for me. It can happen to Mother Teresa. It can't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Number three, expect. We've moved beyond that. And now we're, now we're to the point where, where we're feeling, feeling more positive about the prospect of miracles. And we're thinking in terms of there's somebody out there that's capable of doing this stuff, John, John, John of God or somebody like that. 
And that's that's something I think we can expect to happen in the in the proper circles. Number four, create. That's where we become super conscious, committed, determined, uh, manifest, directed, if you will. And, and where we create the miracles that we are looking for. We're not waiting for them anymore. We're, we're take, rolling up our sleeves and making them happen. What is super consciousness? What do you mean when you say that? We have a conscious mind that's representative of a certain set of frequencies in the brain. Uh, the conscious mind can produce 2,000 bits of information, can process 2,000 bits of information per second. So the conscious mind is very powerful. All, all the aspects, all the facets of mind are pretty, pretty remarkable. But the conscious mind can, pro- can process 2,000 bits of information per second. The unconscious mind, 400 billion. 400 billion in bits of information per second. So there's different aspects of the, of the, of the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind and the unconscious mind are similar except for the fact that they intentionally block negative memories, hardships growing up as a kid, abuse, abandonment, things like that. The superconscious mind takes us to the next level. Superconscious mind is when we end up in that delta brainwave state. You meditate deeply. You pray deeply. You get, you get into a trance state, if you will. And you go beyond the typical meditation into a trance state. In that deeper trance state, you become transcendent. You're not, you're not just an ego anymore. You're not just a material body. You're not just a personality. You are consciousness. So again, we don't have consciousness. We are consciousness. Mm-hmm. I think when we're in the superconscious mind, we, we, we superfluously project that. I think we're, that's when we're in our highest state of being, in the superconscious mind. So again, meditating to the deepest level you can imagine and then going further to the next level. And producing a, a frequency that's between zero and four cycles per second. Very slow cycles, very slow cycles. You're eliminating the noise, the monkey mind. You're eliminating all the confusion, the anxiety. You're eliminating the tension, the stress, the confusion, the, the busyness of thought. And the more you eliminate that, the, the more you slow down the frequency, the more you leave yourself open to, to the openness of superconsciousness, which is a limitless open space, limitless open space that invites you in a way that you bring, you bring your nothingness to, to a universe of everythingness. Mm. How can we get to that place, but also sustain it? I know for me on my spiritual practice, I maybe have touched that space briefly, but to sustain it is a, is a different story. Well, there's a section in the book that actually talks about that. It talks about peak experience. The term peak experience is a psychological term. And it refers to a, a, when you break through a threshold with ecstasy, you know, and there's giving birth to your first child type thing. I mean, uh, there are different moments in life where we actually have peak experiences. Where we, we, take, we take on ecstasy, become ecstatic. That, those are called peak experiences. So I wrote about it in the book and I said, our goal is to make peak experiences peak life. Mm-hmm. So not to just have a great moment, a peak moment, not just to have a time in, in your life where you are ecstatic, but actually to, to, to spread with equilibrium 
the ecstasy into your throughout the all, all aspects of your life timelessly. You know, I think here's the bottom line. Listen to this. I mean, time and space are illusions. I say, well, if time is an illusion, then what's happening is the, the, the now, the N-O-W, the now, is just repeating itself over and over and over. So I, I tend not to look at life as being timed, but I tend to think of it as now being repeated. And I think that brings a different quality to consciousness. There's nothing more powerful than the peak moment of now, the ecstasy of now. And to just take that energy and to, to spread it out in your life, to have it flow through every aspect of your life permanently, and to have now just continue to re, re, rename itself, resurrect itself, repeat itself, flow like the river consistently and continuously. So instead of living in peak moments and ex, moments of, of ecstasy with love and family and children and things like that, I think the objective is to, to, to get greedy, spiritually greedy, and to live in that state permanently and to just allow the now of your being to be accentuated and to be repetitious. And when I say accentuated, because now brings us the total focus of consciousness, awareness, isness. You know, one of the exercises in the book, I have people look in the mirror for 10 minutes. Can you look in your, have you ever looked in your eyes for 10 minutes, your own eyes for 10 minutes? Most people haven't. So looking in your own eyes for 10 minutes, do it. You'll change your whole consciousness. You'll change your being. You'll change your reality. You'll change your life dramatically. Looking in your own eyes for 10 minutes. That idea of being present in the ever-renewing now for listeners who are where their now is has pain, uh, where their now is uh, dis-ease and balance in the physical or mental or energetic bodies, how can we be present in the now if it doesn't feel good where we are? Well, first of all, now doesn't have a quality until you assign it a quality. So now can be, can be an open space or it can be a full space. Now can be whatever you assign it to be. So if I'm thinking in terms of my pain and suffering as re reoccurring in, in the now sense, then I'm, I'm basically going back to the concept of time. Mm -hmm. But I think I, I prefer to eliminate the time con concept with now, I tend to want to create a, a permanent state that is free from all that assignment of negativity. And I, and I think that the difference comes down to this. Are you assigning a fullness or an emptiness to now? And the fullness produces emptiness and an emptiness produces fullness. So I propose that we, we, we assign emptiness to now and we allow it to take us to the place of fullness in the book you share your personal experience with health challenge and as you share that taking you to a really low place on the bathroom floor 
you talk about how, as you then um, were going through rehab and that your intention was so important having a very clear intention, even though your intention seemed like different from the intentions of the people who were caring for you, you had much bigger goals for yourself than they thought possible. Can you say a little bit about how important intention is? To me, that's connected to that idea of whether I fill my now with pain or whether I allow it to be empty so it can fill up. So can you say a little bit about intention setting? Sure. I'd I'd start off by saying that the producer of the film, Christina Bershella Bresson, and I met about four and a half years ago. And we were introduced by one of my sons who who knew her. And we prepared weekends, spare time, trying to map out the film. The goal of the film, the intention of the film, was to actually produce six different segments of patients that have been through miracle healings, remarkable stories. Because I mean, I've felt that I've produced and been involved in so many miracle healings in the last 35 years. And it just doesn't seem right that nobody understands what I've, what I've seen. And I can, I can show it to you and I can bring it to you and I can inspire you and I can educate you and I can teach you and I can prove to you that you're a miracle maker. So the goal of the, of the film was to, like I said earlier, to, to wake, awaken people to their, to their miracle nature. And so... In the middle of the film, unexpectedly, I was bitten by a Lyme tick. It wasn't just any old Lyme tick. I had to find the worst Lyme tick that ever existed. Mm. He had neuro, he gave me neuroborrelias. My nervous system was fried. I became increasingly inflamed with pain, joints, bones, muscles, ligaments, tendons. I became increasingly less able to move. My brain was inflamed. I couldn't, I had no balance. I couldn't walk. My walking got progressively worse. And at one point, as you point out, I was, I went to the bathroom, brushed my teeth before bed, and I fell on the bathroom floor, hit my head on the tile floor, and I couldn't move. I was paralyzed for 14 hours in the bathroom floor. And I, I was unable to move my head, my fingers, my knee, my teeth were, were gritting. I was, my, my brain was, Fried. I was absorbing. There was a bunch of bathroom chemicals that I actually knocked over and then I was drinking and inhaling. I couldn't move my head enough out of the way to, to, to get away from them. So I mean, I was just inhaling these toxins and I was unable to move. I was paralyzed. I was in pain. It was terrible. So during the 14 hour time on the floor, I had a lot of time to think about my spirit, my essence, my core, my soul, my source. So I called upon my source and I said, it could be that I never will walk again. Am I, am I prepared to live in a world without my, without my balance, without my ability to move, without my ability to walk? Do I want to live? I had to ask myself the question, do I want to live? And 25 minutes went by and I didn't have an answer. And by the way, 25 minutes when you're on a bathroom floor is like an eternity. Yeah. And so during, during that 25 minutes, I didn't have an answer. At the end of the 25 minutes, I just inadvertently started screaming for help. I yelled out, can anybody hear me? Can you help me? Anybody help me? And when I started yelling for help, I answered myself. I knew that I wanted to live. I didn't know I wanted to live until I started screaming for help. So I called for help. Nobody heard me. Nonetheless, 14 hours after all this, 14 hours later, I was discovered and went to the hospital, the emergency room. I was in the hospital for several days. I went to rehab, rehabilitation. 
He told me I'd never walk again. If you did, you're going to need a walker. You're going to be limited, paralyzed, blah, blah, partially paralyzed. So I did all the blood tests, did, did, did everything I could do. Um, and I became determined. Actually, when I was back on the bathroom floor after I decided that I cared to live, I decided that I was going to live, no question about it, but I was going to live fully. I was going to get all my mobility back. I was going to get my, my health back, my wellness back. I was going to get it all back. I was determined to do that. So I made that pact with myself in my mind. And I started engaging in deep meditative trance states to pro program my mind for success, for mobility, for health, fitness, and wellness. I started taking a number of different supplements. I started eating from, I want my diet went from good to real good. Hmm. I changed everything. I just decided to become, I was determined to become well again. And I, and I did, I became well again. And so during the course of this movie, we, we, so we have to change the, the, the direction of the book and the movie because there's a, there's a change that's taken place. I experienced a miracle and my unexpected miracle became an important part of the book and the film. So I told the story of my, my unexpected miracle with the backdrop of all the patients that I've worked with who taught me, by the way, I, I mentioned them in the book as being my teachers. I've watched so many terminally ill patients recover and, and I've observed what drive inside them, what, what kind of thing happens to them, what kind of transformational shifting they go through. They, they, they've taught me, they inspired me. And if without them, I wouldn't have had my miracle of recovery. So we give, we reciprocate, we give to each other. We give back and forth to each other. The, the miracle power out of love, out of compassion. So and that's, that's my personal story. You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Dr. Mark Mincola. His new book and film is The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Superconsciousness. You can find out more at thewayofmiracles.com. You mentioned how you took your diet from good to real good. And I know that nutrition is a huge part of the work that you do with your own patients. Are there things we are eating that we think are helping us that are hurting us instead? Yes, indeed. I mean, one of the things that we do, I developed a system, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, electromagnetic muscle testing, EMT. So we muscle test people for their food sensitivities, their food responses. We check all the foods, fruits, vegetables, proteins, all that stuff, fats, check everything. So there's an energetic relationship. That we, first of all, we are energy. Everything is energy. Everything is energy. Dr. Werner Heisenberg, back in 1937, won the Nobel Prize for teaching us that the universe is 99.999% energy, 0.001% matter. So everything is energy, number one. Number two, we are energy. If everything's energy, we, we certainly are energy. Our food is energy. So you, can, you, you interface two energies, like your, your body and the food you're eating, you can get an energetic reaction. Then all the reactions are, are positive. Not all, the, not all the reactions are good ones. So we need to take the time to understand that blueberries can be good for you, but bad for your neighbor. Um, broccoli can be good for you, but bad for your neighbor. So we need to individualize. We need to tap into the energetic connection, the merging of these two energetic sources and see how the elements pan out. So we actually, I mean, we measure energy food relationships, if you will, from one to 10 plus and minus. In other words, if I test you for broccoli 
and we pulse you to a plus 10. That's as high as you can get. Plus 10 is plus is good. 10 is the highest you can get. That's a hundred percent factor. Whereas if you get a bad reaction to broccoli and I test you for a minus 10, that's as bad as you can get. So we, we, we pulse everything. We score it up energetically, but you'd be surprised to find common foods, things like, like certainly things like wheat and dairy, as you can probably imagine, but things also like uh, quinoa, things like peas, things like winter squash, things like shellfish, things like um, uh, red meat, things like almonds, sesame seeds. They, they, they often come out very negative, strong minus numbers from person to person. So my, my answer to your question, when you're measuring things energetically, you could use to discover that things can be really problematic from the perspective of eating what you think is a good food. And lo and behold, it's not so good for you. In the book, you share some details about a self-test called PPF. I wonder if that's something you can talk a little bit about. That's something the listeners could start with today, right? To start to get sure, an idea of, of yes, yes. what's good for them and what's not. Yes. So we're looking for the reflex of the muscles. So when, you're, when your muscle reflexes are strong, you're getting a good reaction. When your muscle reflexes are weak, you're getting a negative reaction. So I say, take your left fist, put it in front of your heart, about an inch, inch or two inches off your heart. And you take your right hand and you're gonna like push punch the, the fist. So your left fist is ready to either resist your push or give in and, and go to your chest. So again, the left fist in front of the heart, an inch or two. And, the, and you think about a food, like you call it, the, call it the word wheat. And you take your right hand and you try to hit your fist, if the, if, the, if the fist in your left hand goes to your chest, it's, it's losing its reflex of strength. And that's a negative. So anytime you lose your reflex of strength, that's, that's the, end, the body's way of saying negative. Not, not good for us. We don't like that. So you take, you take a list of your foods. Take your top 10 most common foods. Go right down the list. Put them on a piece of paper and call them out, out loud. So you can say wheat, dairy, whatever you want to call out. Broccoli, green beans. Put your left fist in front of your heart. Take your right hand and just try to push on it. If you resist and if you're not able to push it to your chest, that's a that's a good sign. That's a strong sign. That's a resistant sign. That means it's safe. It's positive. It's good. If it caves in and you go to your you push hard and it goes to your chest, doesn't have the strength to withstand your push. That's an indication that it's not a good idea. It's probably not a healthy food for you. Energetically, a, a bad mix. And that's that's something simple you can do. Anybody can do it. If someone's listening today who's been told that there's something wrong with them, there's an illness, there's a condition, there's something going on with them, and there isn't any hope, what would you say to them about that? Well, as we said earlier, you can take an empty space and you can either fill it up you can leave it empty. And I think that we assign energetic properties of our empty space every day of our lives. We give assignments. We assign positive and negative images, concepts, energies to virtually every empty space we contend with. So I say that you want to you know, leave your empty space as empty. And you don't want to take anybody else's impressions of that. 
So if somebody's telling me that there's no hope for my my body given a given a certain condition, it's important that I don't listen to them. It's important that I actually listen to my own response. I take the time to to tap into the fact that I may I may be really ready to build something new. I may I may be ready to make a miracle. I may be ready to to create something, a new model of something. The world doesn't doesn't have to dictate. shouldn't shouldn't dictate to you. You shouldn't be listening to it. Don't, don't allow it to dictate to you. That's your empty space to work with. You can fill it up and assign whatever you want to assign to that empty space. So I'm the only one that assigns energy properties to my empty spaces. I don't let anybody do that. And I think it's important to love yourself, to care for yourself, to be your lover, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, to be your doctor, to be your healer, to be your, your divine inspiration. And not to, let, not to let the world confuse any of that. Mark, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That is Dr. Mark Mincola. His new book and film is The Way of Miracles, Accessing Your Superconsciousness. Both the book and the film are excellent, highly recommended. Head over to thewayofmiracles.com to find out more about that and about Mark's work. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if you are so inclined. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fog City Psychic. And I've been putting these podcasts up on YouTube. We're just getting started with this. But if you search for Karen Hager on YouTube, those uh, podcasts should pop right up. So if that's another way to consume these, go ahead and grab them. And thank you for listening today. Together, we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.